and you see the horse soften in expression. But sometimes people can mistake a, a submission in expression where the horse submits a bit as a soft change and reward that. So, you know, it, it, it gets a bit tricky because you're still sort of, you know, teaching the feet to freeze. So that's why I'm not a big fan of that, even if you waited till the horse made a bit of a soft emotional change that was, was the horse kind of letting go of some of that tension and then you took the pressure away. This week, how to get desensitisation right. That is without flooding. Mark shows his insights on why a horse leans one way at a canter. And when your horse is not really with you, should you be more firm or lenient? Mark answers all. Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. All right, I've got some slightly different questions for you, Mark. Um, one on desensitisation. So we all know what desensitization is and a lot of people use it a lot of the time. Elizabeth would like to know how to get desensitization right. Is there a way to cope with something sudden and scary without causing a horse to shut down? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just quickly in a quick overview of like, I guess two polar, polar opposites of desensitizing so so people can sort of look from two spectrums and then figure out what they want to achieve is so the 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 flooding form of desensitizing which which would cause a horse to shut down which which is still used and commonly used as you know that yeah some people would sack them out while they're tied up until the horse just kind of doesn't jump around and freezes uh, that's kind of the that's really the worst the worst one you could probably do because that will be just cause a horse to freeze and then hold in the anxiety. So that one there, the horse goes into a state of learned helplessness. So, you know, that they'd be hobbling them, tying them up, sacking them out until they finally just, you know, stop. That's kind of like the the thing you would never want to go near, that one. And then the next one that was kind of done a fair bit um, was flooding the horse with a certain amount of pressure until the horse stops moving its feet so that but the horse is allowed to move its feet so you're not like tying it but you're holding it and the horse can move away from the pressure and you need to keep the pressure with it till the horse stops and then when it stops you sort of soften or release the pressure done wrong um, that one would cause a fair bit of freeze and teach a horse to shut out too because the horse is still tapping into Oh, the my only option is to stop, so they stop. Um, but it causes a freeze, and if you don't um, get the horse to let the anxiety out or do something, then the anxiety builds up in there. So it still causes the anxiety to hold in, and and it's like trapped anxiety um, and and learned helplessness that makes a dangerous shutdown horse. So. Um, some people do that same exercise that I just talked about and they'll they'll the horse will stop its feet and they'll soften the pressure but then they'll keep a little bit of pressure on until they see the horse make an a slight emotional change where the where the face and the eye softens um, and you see the horse soften in expression but sometimes people can mistake a, a submission in expression where the horse submits a bit as a soft change and reward that so, you know, it, it, it gets a bit tricky because you're still sort of, you know, teaching the feet to freeze. So that's why I'm not a big fan of that, even if you waited till the horse made a bit of a soft emotional change that was was the horse kind of 
letting go of some of that tension and then you took the pressure away. Um, so that's the sort of flooding styles of desensitizing. I'm going to tell you a different one that I'd probably choose to do. The other end of the spectrum for everyone else is you uh, approach a horse with a scary object and the horse, and this is probably only good for if you want to just touch a horse with something or, or approaching a wild horse. It, it's not necessarily good for empowering horses, but sometimes people do it because they don't want to flood a horse, so they do the complete opposite. So that is, I'm approaching a horse with a bit of pressure. Um, it could be a saddle blanket or flag or whatever. Um, you notice the horse's nervousness. You stop because you hit a certain boundary or threshold. When the horse softens or engages with it, you might um, take it away and then do that again and again and again until the horse can accept that object um, on it. So that would be the opposite. That that would, to me, I would call that using approach and retreat to, to you know, handle a horse uh, with, with a scary object. So that one is okay, but it sort of, to me, uh, the only problem with that is it kind of, in a, in a real life situation where you're riding and, and, and the horse sees something scary and the scary thing doesn't stop, um, that approach kind of makes, the, makes it almost feel like we're stopping time for the horse. So you can imagine a scary thing's coming, horse goes, ooh, I'm scared, the thing stops. So it may be okay to get a saddle blanket on a horse, but it's not going to get the horse used to um, giving it an alternative when it's under pressure, when the pressure doesn't go away. Because you've got to think about the real-life scary things. The thing doesn't go away. The horse just has to think under pressure and find a pathway that's going to make it feel better. That's that's the aim of, of teaching a horse to be uh, okay with scary things outside. Um, so freezing and shutting down doesn't empower a horse to make a decision when scary things happen that are random, and that's why desensitizing a horse to shut it down doesn't help a horse when you're out riding and the polar opposite which I just explained sometimes doesn't teach the horse to it, it sort of shows the horse that sometimes the pressure stops when they get worried and that's not going to necessarily happen either so what we want to do is give the horse an alternative under pressure so what we what we what we want to like what I do is I'll create a worry in the horse and I might yeah you know, for instance I'll just give you the example I'll put a put the flag up in the air the horse goes oh there's a flag I'll shake it a little bit and the horse goes, that's a bit scary. What am I going to do? And then as it's searching, I'm not going to flood it too much with the flag, but I'm going to say, here's something scary. And by that time, I've established a bit of leading in the horse so the horse knows how to lead. So I might walk backwards a little bit. So I put a bit of draw in the scary thing because the scary things always aren't going to walk away. But for a start, if it's really scared of something, you would take a horse away from a scary thing a little bit with the rain. But... I'm going to pick up on the rein, create a, create a bit of scary stuff, pick up on a lead rope and just lead the horse. And I might just lead it in a way, you know, just, just off a little bit and back it off a little bit and lead it forward a little bit while that scary thing is kind of there. And then when I feel that horse kind of let go of it, such a strong fear of the scary thing and start to soften into my hand and follow the feel, then I'll just gently loosen up on the scary thing and say thanks for following the feel so what what, what i'm ultimately doing is i'm saying um here's a scary thing and here's a pathway and when the horse starts to search into that pathway and soften then um and let go of that the 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 the, the strong thought on the scary thing then um then i'll reward it and that's sort of saying to the horse when there's something scary in the bushes they're like oh, the kangaroo bouncing or whatever 
I'm going to take up on that rein, let go of that thought, come over here. And that sort of teaches horses that when they're around scary things that, that they're okay, uh, that they, there's a pathway there to make them feel better. The other thing that um, that you sort of also do for some horses, especially if they've already been frozen and flooded and things like that, is I'll actually get the scary thing and I'll offer no pathway and I'll just um, keep moving it around them until I see the horse, say, for instance, I might have it near their eye and they, they, they focus on it, focus on it, focus on it. But I won't push them too hard that they just completely run away from it. But I create enough anxiety that they're not sure what to do. And then all of a sudden you'll see them look away from it and then I'll just take the pressure away. And that's teaching them that when there's scary things around that they can look for uh, opportunity or alternatives. Um, the other thing also with those frozen ones, I might start to, you know, weigh the scary thing around them a little bit and get them worried enough that they think they want to move and search and then I'll just worry them a little more until they go, oh, I might move a little bit and then I'll reward them for moving. Um, so that teaches them and, and if you keep doing that a little bit um, for a lesson and then the next day and the next day, you'll get a horse that you can actually move a flag or a scary thing around it and the horse will kind of uh, rate the level of threat in that particular thing and only move and make a decision to the level of threat that's in the thing so in the scary thing so you know you put a flag there near its shoulder and it'll go oh it'll move across a little bit or you put it near its foot and it'll pick up the foot a little bit um and that's what tends to happen so instead of freezing and going i can't do anything about the scary thing the horse goes well i can move a little bit and i'll be safe and you watch so and and what you'll see is as you closely bring the scary thing to the horse the horse is going to go i'm I'm feeling anxious and then the horse makes a decision and you'll see the anxiety tip out of the horse as it makes a decision um, because the horse did something for itself. So that teaches horses around humans that can make decisions for itself, but then the most, the best decision that it can make is follow our leadership, which comes through the rein or the lead rope. So uh, when those horses are searching, making decisions for themselves around scary things, then you offer the rein again and say, well, here's a scary thing. And they go, oh yeah, I know what to do. I can move, I can do something. And then you go, well, now follow this rein. And they go, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Because they trust the rein, they trust you because you've already established that. They know they're allowed to think around danger and make decisions, not just run off or freeze or run off or fight it. So then because there's no emotional hobble on them, they're able to search and make decisions just like they would in the wild. So the horses that ask, are free in the mind to make it. Yeah. So I was just listening to that that sort of idea that you're introducing something, um, but obviously you've got to have to do it in a thoughtful way and I suppose a fairly restricted way because you're wanting them to react in a thoughtful way. So if you're bringing something to them, you can't just bring it to them at 100 miles an hour. You have to bring it to them at a pace that allows them to go, oh, I'm not quite sure, oh, I'm yeah. going to move, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to explode. Yeah. In, in does that then translate when you're out and about because there will be explosions effectively yeah so once the so, horses um once the horse is a bit more empowered you'll notice when they're more empowered to search and think because they'll they make more rational decisions so like 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 it's like the elephant and the mouse like you know the, the classic that the elephant jumps out up onto the table when there's a little mouse walking through that mouse has is no threat to that elephant but the elephant perceives the mouse as an elephant eating you know mouse so the elephant is petrified over nothing and that's what a lot of horses are that you know you pick up a little flag and they kind of go that's going to kill me no it's not going to kill you it's just a it's just a piece of you know plastic on a stick so 
um, they perceive that as super threatening. So um, you don't you don't flood them with it till they can't do anything about it. You don't restrict them. You just d bring that scary thing and just do a little tiny thing with it till they make some sort of decision which isn't run off. If they just move across away from it a little bit, then you then you show them that that's okay. But once they can, once they're allowed to feel that there's no boundaries, not too many boundaries anyway, they're not backed into a corner. They'll make little decisions about moving away from that threat. And what happens when you're allowed to move away from a threat a little bit with your thoughts or with your feet just a little bit, um, then you're you're in a better mental state to understand the threat or try and grade or rate the level of threat in that object um, if you don't have any doors open to make decisions then the mouse stays a fire breathing elephant eating mouse but if the elephant can walk away a little bit and then have another look again the mouse is less threatening so you have to start a bit slow to empower the horse first but then once the horse can um, shoot straight and think around, like what I say is once you can shoot straight, well, you can go into more conflict. So once the horse can make better decisions around danger and it also has the pathway of fear that um, gets them to let go of strong thoughts, which is you know established through your leading, then you can throw in random spooks, like I might sort of walk along and randomly go boom with the flag and the horse goes, whoa. But because it's not frozen, it doesn't just internalise everything. It goes, what am I going to do? And then you go, oh, I'm just going to pick up the rein and lead you here. And the horse goes, okay, good idea. And then you throw randoms in there where the where the, um, the, the, the the scary thing is a bit more random. And then you will sort of, you know, throw a few scary things in there. But once a horse can think through pressure and knows that there's it's safe to make a decision for itself, its body and mind's free, there's a pathway that helps it of leadership, like the leading horse taking the herd to safety, you'll be surprised the amount of pressure they can cope with and and sort of feel that they're okay to deal with. Um, you know, so that's when you throw new random things in, like you might throw a bucket out on the ground and um, or, you know, you get someone to throw a bucket and the horse will kind of half spook, but by the time it's starting to spook, you've distracted it, it, it thinks it follows the feel of your idea and, and, and it's okay about it. So, and I think that's where... You know, that's how I'd sort of, you know, work a situation with a horse. So you, you're teaching them that they've got tools. You're teaching them they're able to use those tools. And some of those tools are their own rule things that they were given uh, when they were born. The, the tools of, of search, um, you know, to make decisions through their body, things like that, their mind and body. So you're tapping into their flight a little bit when you're teaching them, but not the flight of running off, the flight of just going, oh, there's a snake on the ground. I might just walk around it not just, oh, there's a snake, I'm going to bolt through three fences. Yeah, okay. So um, just another quick question then, um, because you're introducing that idea of leadership through following the feel, is it better doing all this sort of thing um, actually on, on a lead rather than at liberty? Yes, um, you can do it at liberty. Uh, the only thing with liberty sometimes is if the horse uh, has been pre pre-trained to sometimes lunge away from pressure through lunging sticks or flags and they've been they see pressure as something that they kind of trot and run away from um maybe they're going to run away first where we, you you want to kind of block the idea of escaping through 
full flight where they're escaping and leaving. So, so you're not trying to teach the horses to leave, feel like they're leaving that place. You're just saying you know, they're moving around danger. So um, I think sometimes it's better to have them on a rope, especially if their first instinct is just to run. Even if you just pick up the flag tightly and they just ran off, well, what will happen is they'll run around a round yard or run around, you know, too frantically uh, and you've got nothing to say, hang on a minute, stop, reset, try that again. Um, so sometimes you run the risk at liberty that they, 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 they will run around too much and, 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 and it might um, stress them too much to finally get to what you want. That should help you, Elizabeth. So keep their mind open as much as you can through their feet. Don't do methods that might encourage them to think that it's okay to stop moving and to stop thinking, essentially. All right, I've got one question for you, which is a, a different question. It's all about ridden work in the canter. Um, and it's from Carolyn. She has a horse that tries to turn left in the canter and sometimes on the trot when she's on the right rein, um, she's had the horse checked and she knows there's sort of nothing going wrong, um, no sort of nothing imbalanced in the body. Um, so she's just wondering, have you got any thoughts on why the horse might be doing that and how she could help him? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer too many answers. I'm going to, I think I'm, I'm going to give you this one option and I'm pretty sure it might be close to being what it is. If there's, if there's no physical things wrong with the horse, the most common thing, and, and, and this happens with young horses that you're starting, older horses that are carrying anxiety and stuff is, where it's 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 the there's I think there's a video that that we put out a little while ago about you know Rapunzel in the castle. Um, so basically, when a horse is in a calm state, and that's why I think it happens sometimes at the trot, but more often all the time probably by the sounds of it at the canter. So um, sometimes at the trot's telling me that. Sometimes the horse is anxious, more anxious at the trot. Sometimes it's less anxious at the trot. So what you're hearing in that is anxiety is some of the key is why that horse is leaking out through its, um, sorry, left, left, uh, it want, it's wanting to go right, isn't it? It does not turning. Sorry, leaking to the left. You're wanting to go right. It's leaking to the left. So it's basically it's blowing out through that left eye. Okay. So when you, talk about a horse's primary focus um horses kind of you know a lot of horses you know they come to clinics and they gaze and they target and they go towards things and things like that they go you know my, the gate and my mates are over there i want to go over there um and when they when they're anxious they seek safety okay so it happens in a lot of horses they want to seek safety somewhere else there's a desire for them and a need for them to be somewhere else because in their mind the danger is where they're at because the, it's the level of threat in the person and the canner and someone riding them at the canner, the, they, yeah, so they're seeking refuge to be somewhere else. That's why horses pull through the reins, all that sort of stuff is because uh, half the time, a lot of our aides, they're still unsure about, worried about when they get going fast. Some of that flight instinct comes back in them. So because the threat is in us and all the stuff we have on them and imposing on them, then they're seeking safety to be somewhere else. So that's why, you know, there's so many things in training that you have to fix. And people think, oh, my horse is blown out through the left eye. Um, and I might go and fix it through teaching it to feel good in the accelerator. And then when that horse feels good in the accelerator, 
it didn't worry as it was coming up through the transitions and then it went, I'm, I'm balanced because I'm not escaping and it, it had nothing to do with fixing the rein. And then I might walk around on a horse without legs and go, well, this horse is still really unbalanced and it's constantly thinking through its left eye. Um, by the sounds of your horse, if it turns evenly at the walk, but not only sometimes at the trot and then not at all at the canter, well, it's as the horse's uh, energy and speed comes up, and that could be through leg transition, it could be through just carrying more speed that the horse is getting more anxious and it's seeking safety somewhere else. So the next thing is, is why does it seek safety to the left opposed to, to the right? Well, just like us, we, we have dominant sides, and if, if, if you were to throw a ball at somebody in a hurry out of the blue or a pen, they were going to go reach for their dominant hand because the anxiety of being under pressure in a hurry would possibly make that person go more to their dominant hand to catch um, something because it's in such a hurry that um, they need, some people might need time to catch with their not so dominant hand. So, but, but under no pressure, the person will kind of easily catch with the left hand or the right hand. So what horses tend to do, because they've got eyes on the side of their head, they've not got that sort of narrow sort of, you know, let's sight down vision like we tend to use a lot. You know, we tend to use less peripheral vision and more that narrow, you know, sort of, they, they have an eye with a skull that blocks, you know, between each eye, okay? Now, though they're not chameleons, so chameleons, imagine riding a chameleon, you have one eye going one way and one eye going the other. It would be very hard to read horses if if one eye was going one way, one was going the other. The eyes still kind of turn is in, in the same sort of rotation as the other eye. So, um, but what I've found is horses that are anxious, so the left window is controlled by the, the right side of the brain and vice versa. So, um so the left window on your particular horse, that's the eye, is the window that the horse searches through the most and seeks destinations through. That's its stronger window for making those decisions. And you see some horses, they come in raw wild. Um, they'll just go around a yard and their head will be bent one way out. And then when you have them the other way, they kind of bend in because they have a dominant sort of focus go-to eye when the anxiety is a certain level. So um, that's why your horse is pulling to the left when it's more anxious. So how to fix it is a whole bunch of things. But um, one is go back through the leading and steering and find out how well and evenly your horse follows the left rein and the right rein. Can you get a horse to let go of a left thought into a right thought easy when you go when you're going out to the left or in a straight line and the horse is thinking left, can it let go of that thought easy and come come think right and vice versa and, and have it equal, okay? Um, get the horse very comfortable with the upward transition as well. So once the horse is steering really nice, backing really nice and they feel equal at the walk, you know, you can't find any imbalance there, then you're closer at being able to get the horse to let go of one thought or the other depending on which way it's thinking. Um, then you might go, can you come up with the legs? And if you put legs on, the horse goes, oh, geez, I'm a bit worried. Then you feel that pull. Then you know that you have to work on getting the horse softer coming forward to those legs. So you might say, slow down, come up with the legs. And you might walk, work in the walk 
going slow to fast walk, medium walk, and the horse just following the feel of the legs up and down till it goes, oh, these legs, I'm not worried about these legs anymore. These, these things are easy. Like, I can understand them. I'm not frightened of them. And then you might just let the horse sniff the trot transition a little in its mind and go, oh, oh. And if you feel it worry a bit into that trot and then that worry sort of makes it pull out to the, the left, you know that we might have to go back down again and say, let's try sniffing that trot again. Oh, no, you worry. Come back off that trot. Let's try it again until that horse goes, oh, you know, I can trot softly. And then you get a guarantee that every time the horse trots, it trots equal on both reins. And then basically once you've got that equal on both reins, happy legs in the trot, then the next thing is venturing into the canner. Uh, don't just keep cantering him and keep him pulling out that left eye. You'd go into the canner and say, well, you're a bit imbalanced at the canner. You're worried. You're escaping. So because your mind is escaping, you're going through your dominant focus eye, which means you're pulling to the left. So... We might bring you back again and say, let's go up to that canner till your mind's not escaping. And then when your mind's not escaping through that left eye and you feel good, there's no escape. You're just going forward softly. Then you're not going to be imbalanced. That's that's the psychological way I'd fix it anyway. So, um, you know. Unfortunately, what happens, which is, which is, sorry, Unfortunately, in, in, in what I do, um, I come across um, the, the, the constant sort of battle where people go and they get weekly lessons and the weekly lessons are saying, more inside leg, more outside rein, more inside leg, more outside rein, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. Get that horse to balance. The horse is falling over. It's, it's incorrect. It's, um, it's, you know, you've you got to get its posture better and stuff like that. And so the people are fighting this horse's posture and the, and the more you fight the posture of the horse, the more pressure you put on the horse. So the more the primary focus and the more the anxiety goes up and the more the primary focus seeks harder to that dominant eye. And that's the, the battle I have is, is you can't just put more pressure on a horse to make it mold around your body, you know, more inside spur to make it bend and make it do this because you're adding more more pressure, more pressure creates more uh, negative desire and that creates more uh, imbalance because the horse seeks out its, its, its focus eye stronger. Well, this question is from Carlo and it's in relation to just horses in general and how we can sort of approach um, our training with them. Carla's got a gelding who's just five and she is under the impression, just generally, that horses want to work with us and enjoy the time together with us people. As long as one of us is fair and there's clear communication and they're not physically limited through injury or pain. She's wondering, is this a bit of a naive approach? The reason behind it is that when she takes her horse out and she's sort of riding him and doing things with him, she's feeling that he's wanting to be with his friends back in the pasture leading grass with them and um, she feels he's heavy 70% of the time and just that his mind is just not on the job so she's riding four or five times a week and doing groundwork one to two times a week generally 45 minutes to an hour and a half she knows um, she's pretty sure that he's not in any pain so what she's wondering is do you think that she should be perhaps more firm with him or lenient with him and say it's okay he's just five so a sort of complex issue to try and tackle have you got any advice for her um yeah carlo um and also after seeing him you know reasonably recently in germany uh, i've got a bit of a picture of, of his personality in my mind so i can sort of uh 
Um, yeah, give you a bit of an answer on that. Um, and just just at this previous clinic that I've just um, finished uh, here in Perth, um, there was a there was a little gazy mazy horse. I called a gazy mazy um, because uh, I remember the little horse uh, a year or so ago, and and she came back, and and we spent most of the clinic getting her to let go of. Uh, strong thoughts and um, to, to be, create a better habit in, in her mind. Um, and, and with your horse, um, <clears throat> you've got to be careful that you don't do 70% disconnected and 30% uh, connected because um, you're building a habit in a horse. And you're right in saying that, you know, there's maturity. Horses need to mature as they get older and some horses mature and become less, uh, less uh, I guess, less bouncy in their mind, less gazy and things like that. But we're creating habits in horses right from the start. Um, so sometimes I see that 70% disconnection, 30% connection as creating a habit. Um, so what I would say is uh, do less, expect more. Um, it's not necessarily about being, well, yeah, sometimes you have to be a bit firmer, but firmer in the sense that you're actually doing something clear enough to get the horse to let go of what it was thinking or where it's thinking. Uh, you don't have to go very far away from the horse's mates to do that. Um, you just sort of start off in, in an area where, where the thoughts won't be as strong and you just consistently do an exercise that is getting him to let go of um you know, just bouncing his mind around. So, you know, if he gazes off and gets distant, you sort of do something and make sure that his thoughts let go of that and come back into, um, you know, the area where you're working and he centres again. And just put all your focus on trying to get him to centre and let go of those things. Um, so, you know, you might stand quietly with him and, and just do an experiment to see how long he stands quietly, uh, how... Uh, how long he spends just looking away. Uh, if there's no pressure on him, does he just soften? And when you ask, start asking questions, is that or putting pressure on him, is that when he starts to sort of get a bit distant? Because some horses kind of, you know, if you stand quietly and soften, they soften and suddenly become centred and quiet. But then all of a sudden you ask them questions and then they start to get a bit bouncy in their mind and they start to look away and look for their mates and, things like that. And that's telling you that there's something in the pressure that's creating an anxiety that's making him search away. Um, and that, that, that means that, that the things that you're asking have to, you know, change that and get him to come back with his thoughts. So if you're riding him for, you know, those amounts of time in the arena and outside and things like that, there's a lot of time spent working him. Um, whereas I'd probably do a little less and as I said, less time on him, but make sure that those shorter sessions, he's more present. Um, so, you know, you might have to, as I said, like when you, if you're backing him up and, you, and he's not letting go of a thought, you might have to, you know, come in a little firmer with the reins, um, see if that getting him to, to, to back a bit, bit stronger or something's going to get him to let go of that forward thought. Um, if you're standing with him, you might have to pop the flag or do something to get his thoughts back and make it a habit that um, you can help him come back into centre with you and just be more specific on that and, and um, don't do a little bit of it and keep trying to do it all the time over a long session. Just do a, a session where he's, he's, he's much more engaged with you and more centred. 
and then put him back out and then do that each day. So you, you're spending 90% or 95% of the time with him more connected, uh, less distracted. Um, but but that'd be 95% of, of a shorter session opposed to, um, you know, 70% disconnected on a longer session. Um, and then those sessions get a little longer as his habit of being more connected uh, gets gets stronger. So um, by starting the session short as well, you're you're giving him, you know, uh, you know, you're going to get him to feel good about connecting, and then right over, let's go back and, and go back to your normal life again, and then come back out again. So he starts to sort of um, you're introducing him back into that education and creating, you know, a better habit. Um, so I'd see it as he will feel better when he's connected to you. And I also would say that um, building the habit is important because at the moment he's building the wrong habit. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when people say the horse might mature when they're a bit older, um, I've seen, you know, 10-year-old horses, that 15-year-old horses that are just gaze off into the distance and um, it just becomes a strong habit to them to be disconnected. So I think... Um, you don't get young horses and overwhelm them with lots of work, and um, but you still are creating very good habits in those early sessions with young horses. And as I say, one of those habits that's important is being present and, and, and more connected and not um, getting in a habit of gazing off into the distance. And some horses are just more of a gazy type than other horses, and that's what you've got to, you know, say, with the, say you've got to work a bit harder with them to, to keep that attention and, and, and keep them more centred. That's great. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm going I'm to leave it there. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.